Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday afternoon. Joining us from Philadelphia, where he was at the Sixers game last night, and I believe is headed to New York later today, is Tim Bontemps. That is correct. Hello, fellas. And potentially being banned from no, not sir. only the Mavericks again, but maybe the Indiana Pacers after his story that dropped on Wednesday. You don't even know what their arena is called. Howdy, partners. It's called the Gainbridge Fieldhouse, I believe. It is now. It is. Uh, this is how I, I know every day I'm reminded how old I'm getting. And like when I see these arenas that have had three, four, five names. It's the only so time you I'm post on Instagram is this arena's had five names. This <laughs> arena's had the same name. Well, it's a little bit of a trick to say, hey, here's a picture from Philly. Here's a picture from Atlanta, whatever. Oh, you crafty little social media maven, you. I would never accuse myself of that. Um, but let's start with this story that you uh, did that released on Wednesday, McMahon. Um, it was really a story. I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it was really a story about how Luka Doncic and Rick Carlisle didn't like each other, didn't like each other for a long time, and it led to a fracture in their relationship and frames the way we probably should look at Luca going forward and Carlisle going forward. But this had stuff in it dating back, I think, to 2015. Yeah, um, no, this had, this had stuff dating back to, like, Carlisle made mistakes, relationship mistakes, before the Mavericks even drafted Luca that, that impacted negatively impacted that relationship. And was it, it mistakes or just the way he operated that, that irritated Luca? Uh, I think, I think you can categorize them as mistakes because let's be honest, as much as uh, the NBA and NBA coaching is an X's and O's business. If you don't get the relationships, right, you're not going to be around for very long. Um, although, you know, look, Rick didn't, there was a lot of relationship issues with, he, you know, he's a, he's an abrasive demanding, you know, whatever you want to call it kind of coach. And he was able to get through a lot of that for, for a lot of years. But when you get on the wrong side of your franchise centerpiece of this young, potentially generational star, you're not going to last very long. And the writing was on the wall. Rick recognized that very clearly. When one, Lucas sent word of, hey, I don't want him coming to Slovenian training camp. Uh, please tell him to stay home. And then right after that, two, uh, Rick suggested the possibility of a contract extension with Mark Cuban and was told, uh-uh, Rick, that ain't happening. And then pretty soon thereafter, Rick says, well, I'm going to step down. And a week later, he's the Indiana Pacers head coach. He, he knew he was it was probably going to be a, a week-to-week, month-to-month kind of situation going into the season. He wanted no part of that, understandably, you know, with him being a hot commodity uh, as a coach. But, you know, to, to blow an opportunity to continue coaching a potential multi-MVP type of talent, yeah, Rick made some mistakes for sure. Well, and you you covered him all of those thirteen years. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, that he was the head coach of the Mavericks. You had your run-ins with him, and you didn't. He wasn't your boss, and you didn't spend eight hours a day with him or more. So you, I think your your um, 
you know, you would be as good as anybody to speak on really seriously who was with them from for the 13 years other than like you and uh yeah i know like cuban obviously i mean yeah you know casey smith and you know uh don kalkstein the sports psychologist i mean there's several people in in the franchise but yeah i know rick really well and you know all things considered um (laughs) i'm not i'm not sure if this is true today but all things considered i've had a really good relationship uh, with Rick Carlisle and, and I half kid that one reason that Rick and I got along so well is we're both complete assholes. Um, <laughs> sorry about that, Jackson. You're gonna have to do a little bleepage there, but it's true. Now that didn't necessarily help him bond with Luca. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I do thought you have something in common with Luca as well. <laughs> Are you stopping short of saying that? Um, yeah, our conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good line, buddy. <laughs> I thought the the way you started the story talking about the Dennis Smith thing, it, it obviously Dennis Smith, Rick was right about Dennis Smith's yes. player, right? Dennis Smith's not a very good NBA player, but I think sort of the, just real the, quick, Buntemps, Dennis Smith and Doncic were boys really bonded when Luca got to the league, even though Dennis Smith had some promise as a rookie, Carlisle never thought he was going to be a running mate for Doncic and he sort of broke him apart and they traded him and that, upset Luca. That's what Bontemps is referring uh, to. They, they, it wasn't that he traded him. It was the way that he treated him. Um, and, 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 you know, to be clear, Luca has, has never been a guy who's to this point in his career has meddled in personnel decisions. Right. But, you know, if you talk to people uh, who have Luca's best interest in mind that aren't affiliated with the Mavericks, everybody was on the same page of, Hey, Luca and Dennis Smith Jr. That's not a duo moving forward, you can be right in your assessment. And certainly Rick Carlisle was right in his assessment. Hey, Donovan Mitchell is the guy we should draft, not Dennis Smith Jr. Rick soured. He was right. It was very clear. He totally soured on Dennis Smith Jr. by midway through his rookie year. And then he treated him really, really poorly uh, once Luca arrived, really going in back to his rookie year, but especially when Luca arrived and Luca took umbrage with that. Yeah, and I think if you look like what I was going to say was if you look at the way that situation played out, the way the solid measure situation played out, the way the J.J. Barea situation played out, like when you talked about mistakes being made, man, I think that's where if you go back and look at it and you and I talked about that privately at the time, we're like, you could see these signpost things along the way where it's like you've got Luka Doncic here. He obviously can't be a bit of a temperamental guy if anybody watches him on the court, but he's clearly the guy you're building your franchise around. And here are mm-hmm. some easy ways to keep this guy happy. Like have Salameji around, who's a you know backup center. Have Luke, have JJ Barea around, who's a guy who's got a really good relationship with him, and is a guy who can maybe play a little bit for you off the bench at the end of your bench. You know he's got this relationship with Dennis Smith. Why are you going at Dennis Smith and causing friction there when you don't need to? Right? It's well, all this and, stuff and, that and you're calling you know the, the thing that was just like what in the hell is when he calls Dennis Smith Jr. out in front of the team. You're jealous of Luca. And they're like, dude, like we're, we're buddies. Like, you know, we're hanging out, we're playing video games. Like we're friends. And Dennis is, he wasn't a good fit, but he was trying. It wasn't like he was being, you know, I've got to have the ball in my hands. This is my show. There wasn't any of that. So the point is like, rather than just analyzing that thing, it was just that right off the bat, Carlisle got on the wrong side of Luca. Yeah. He was a rookie. 
The relationship was cracked within the first, the foundation of this relationship was cracked within the first few weeks and all the attempts to kiss butt and shield him from criticism, all that in the future didn't matter because the relationship was cracked. Trust was broken and respect was lost. Okay. Let me, so let me ask you this. So you have this very well-reported story about Luca's issues with Carlisle and frankly, maybe potentially Luca's issues with authority that he doesn't like, which is going to be regular in the NBA because nobody, as Paul Silas, the man who taught me more about the NBA than anything, taught me 20 years ago. I will try to imitate him poorly. In the NBA, ain't nothing going to be a bed of roses. You know, the, it's just never going to be that. So if Luca is going to have a problem with coaches he doesn't 100% agree with, that's one thing. Then we have Donnie Nelson getting fired and possibly, and I'll use the word possibly, but if you want to override this word, McMahon, that's fine because he leaked stuff about the team to the athletic. Then you have Bob Volgaris, the guy who Nelson didn't like. He leaves and does a podcast with Pablo Torre where he talks about issues that he had with Luca that Luca had with him, Donnie Nelson. Then you have Carlisle getting out of there. You have uh, a first year, uh, first time executive and Nico Harrison, who is now running mm-hmm. the show, but I don't know much about it. Everybody likes him as a person. Yeah. He's doing this for the first time ever. And again, Red Auerbach made mistakes his first few yep. years. It's not recorded in history, but I promise you the greatest executives ever screw up out of the gate. And it hasn't exactly been a merry-go-round already for Jason Kidd. They mm-hmm. just had another difficult loss Wednesday night, although didn't have Luca, but lost, blew a lead and lost, uh, or blew a chance, I shouldn't say, blew a lead, but blew a chance to beat the Lakers uh, and lost. This is not, it's not trending great. If no. you're a Mavericks fan, without getting into detail blow by blow here, I'm not real happy about the way this is all going with my young star. No, and, and what the Mavericks are trying to do is is they've they've had a cultural reset, right? Because it was an absolute Have they? Well, they've got I didn't a, even get into the whole Porzingis Doncic issue. They're which, attempting to have a cultural reset. Yes, they are attempting. There is a new GM. There is a new coach. Um, you know, I, the, the way I said it, it was a Game of Thrones type of thing over the last few years where, you know, there's this guy's back seven, this guy's back seven, this guy's worried about him as a threat, whole, him as a threat. And I also didn't even bring up the whole thing with which happened elsewhere in the organization with uh, the, the, the allegations that the Cuban had to handle and run people no, out it, it's, it's like if you look at poor nba culture over the last decade the mavericks have to be very prominent in that conversation no question and we you know you're talking about business side front office coaching i mean it, there's been a lot of mess with the mavericks now nico harrison had nothing to do with that you know uh head coach jason kidd had nothing to do with that so there, there is a cultural reset now listen, there is one major constant theme and he signs a check and the buck stops with him. Mark Cuban. It is his responsibility to clean this up, to, to get it right. And he's tr- the, the attempt here, you hire Nico, who is 
uh, you, you mentioned he's widely respected throughout the league. And, and, you know, people talk about the relationships he has with players from uh, two decades as a Nike executive, but it's not players, just players. It's, it's coaches, it's agents, it's executives, it's scouts. Uh, you know, a lot of the grassroots stuff, like I've talked to scouts who absolutely uh, love him. He is a communicator. He is a connector. There's hope that he can help if when, when issues arise, because they always will, that he can be somebody who helps that process and doesn't muddy it up. Um, kid, look, it's not like kid didn't have his missteps in his previous two brief head coaching stops, but he has to the point of, of kind of being a, a, a punchline. He's prioritized communication. I mean, how many people got their jokes off about the three man leadership council? And uh, hey, person coach has been doing that for a long time. Yeah, and hey, rah rah, let's play all fifteen guys in the first few quarters no, of our home bizarre. opener. That was you know, and 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 all this kind of stuff. But he's he's at least, and honestly, he's I think prioritized psychology over over strategy uh, so far this season. Um, I'll say this: there was a the the two guys that you would call the franchise cornerstones. Doncic and Porzingis. It's been well documented. They weren't getting along last year, and it was very passive aggressive. They weren't arguing and bickering. They just weren't talking. They weren't high fiving. Basically, they didn't talk all summer. They come back. It's time to play pickup, and and it's hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Dap up, cool. We're turning the page. That has been better, but the the on court product has not been. And there's we can go down a long list of reasons, but with all things Mavs, and like people say, well. You know, why was the focus of this story Luke and Rick's relationship? Rick had bad relationships with a whole bunch of players. That's true. But there's one player who everything revolves around with the Mavericks, rightfully so, and that's Luca. So, um, you know, and if we talk about the Mavs' issues this season, Luca being a, a, a you know, out of shape, uh, still an all star caliber player, but he ain't an MVP candidate. He ain't anything close. And honestly, He's one of the worst defensive players in the league this year because uh, he's out of shape. He's bickering with referees. Like he's not yelling at, at his coach, and but he's still. By the he's time still... you're in your fourth year, you ought to be taking flight. Well, and he's the not. argument is he has, <laughs> and that's what's so crazy. He, did like, take, he took flight. Like, is he a better player now than he was three years ago? Yes, he's better than he is as was as a rookie. But you know, the, the, so the thing about Luca is we hold him to the standard of his talent, which is historically elite. Like you look at the last fifty years, two guys have been first team All NBA twice before they turned twenty three: Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant. So the thing with Luca being Luca can be a Hall of Famer and come to camp, you know. 15 pounds overweight every year. He can. He's that good. He will. He can have a perennial all-star. Now, he might not have as long a career, but he can have a perennial all-star Hall of Fame caliber career playing his way into shape every year. But he can't achieve his potential, which is to get in the conversation of an all-time great, to be a, to be a multi-champion, a multi-MVP type of guy. And look, it's not a very good roster around him. And, and that's, okay, Nico, First time GM, you don't have a whole lot of assets. You've got the pressure of competing because you have a bona fide superstar. How are you going to upgrade this roster? <laughs> that's a that's a tough gig for it for a first time GM. But Luca doesn't get a pass for the Mavericks' struggles this season. The, the Mavericks' mediocrity, you know, he bears a lot of responsibility for that. 
All you got to do is go back to this summer and see how Luca played in the Olympics and getting Slovenia to the medal round and the way he's played over the past couple of years in the playoffs against the Clippers. It's so inspiring. I mean, I talked about this before. I don't want to go over this again for our listeners, but it was just so inspiring. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch assist and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. And you, like, if you're a Mavericks fan, you're like, why? It was so watching Luca play that way. You're like, anything is possible. Yeah. It's so, so. And again, and, and that's the standard he's held to because you have seen, like, you have seen the potential for him to be in that, like, bird, magic, LeBron, like that level of, of historic greatness. You've seen that potential at such a young age. So him coming back and like very good is not good enough for, for a guy who's proved that, that he's capable of greatness. And, you know, I mentioned the defensive stuff and it's this terrible transition defense. Part of that's not being in shape. Part of that's victim with referees. It's awful half court defense as well. I get that on off stats and defense rating as an, as an individual stat, it, it can be flawed, but this is glaring. 112.2 with him on the floor, 101.8 with him off the floor. In other words, you know, top three in the league with him off the floor, bottom five with him on the floor. Come on, dude. Like, well, and that, he's and never going to be a stopper, but you can't be that bad. No, and that's the part that you really need to see him take another step in, right? I mean, we saw in that game last night against the Lakers, you could see where the talent deficiencies are across the Mavs roster when Luca's not on the court, right? They, there aren't, there isn't a ton of talent on that roster, but that being said, to your point, if his conditioning and effort are better, his defense will be better and therefore their team will be better. Yeah. Right? And, they, like that's and the they, stuff that has to improve. Yeah. And they need guys like the whole team's basically been in a, in a season long three point shooting slump. And I, you know, that stuff probably will end up uh, evening out, but look, I, sometimes I do have to remind myself, you know, Luca is a 22 year old kid. <laughs> with the weight of the world on his shoulders, right? Who's been in the spotlight since he was really 13, you know, went to Real Madrid at 13 and, and everybody in Europe knew who he was. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's human elements there. He is, he is a, an immature in a lot of ways, 22 year old kid who needs to grow up, which is easier said than done when you've got the kind of pressure and spotlight and all those things. Uh, having said that, like the the relationship with Rick, yeah, Luca had his faults with it, but you know, to be immature about it, Rick started it. And are you who you hold responsible? 
the guy who got here as a teenager for his immaturity or the 60 something year old experienced head coach for, you know, his really, I, I would say immaturity is not, you know, his control freak, uh, dictator style and and really just a a mistreatment of people uh around luca that completely turned him off and killed any chance of that thing blossoming if i was a Mavs fan i'd be depressed it's it's not a happy story and it's it's also not a story that anybody involved wanted me to write (laughs) these things happen i mean like you know bontemps i mean this is what we know about mcmahon he's not going to get intimidated by anybody you know he he has a 13-year relationship with Carlisle. This story does not help Rick Carlisle in any way. You know, this is no. why McMahon's McMahon. He's not, he, he doesn't uh, you know, when he says something, he's not playing favorites. No, um, that's true. I also think it's a little strong to say I'd be depressed if I was a Mavs fan. They still have Luka Doncic on their team. I mean, well, I, I think agree. there's I mean, about there's about 25 happy? teams that would want to be in their position, even I with agree. the other faults that they have. I agree, but when I got Luca and saw him as a rookie, I thought by now I'd be like winning 60 games and well but and, here's the other thing know, to remember the last two years of the playoffs June. the mavericks very nearly got out of the first round against the clippers both times yep. against Kawhi leonard by the way who was healthy mm-hmm. and if they had if they had played any other team in the first round maybe in either year they might have made it to the conference finals or farther so i mean that that that's part of the context here that has to be remembered like yeah luca's not off to a great start this year by the way trey young to this point this season yeah. this year alone has outplayed him um but although the he, hawks are the hawks are sitting in the same you know they, they they've are, made a deep playoff run but they're sitting in that same mediocre boat they've had a season. weird season too but trey has been phenomenal this year brian wrote a story about him and james harden in part today about foul drawing but trey has been great but yeah look i mean th- there's a lot of context around the mavs with the way the last couple of years have gone the way this year has gone luke is definitely disappointed this year we talked about the MVP straw poll last week. Luca was barely on it. He was the mm-hmm. favorite to win the award coming into the season. So yeah, it's been a disappointing year. But at the same time, if I was if I was picking anybody in the league right now, I wanted to ride with for the next ten years, I'd be taking Luca over yeah. everybody else. So yeah. I, I I'm only pushing back a little bit on I'd be depressed if I was a Mavs fan. I think there's a lot to be excited about. It's just not currently at the moment. You know, this team is not one of the elite teams in the West, but there's and, there's time to get it right. And and your point about the Clippers series, I think, is important. Uh, you know, we can what if what if it all you want, but like last year, if Kawhi Leonard doesn't have maybe the best playoff performance of his brilliant career, yep. of his two times finals MVP career, if he doesn't have maybe the best playoff performance of his career in game six in Dallas, the Mavericks get through the Clippers and then and who knows, maybe they do make a deep run and, and, you know, some of these relationship uh, fractures can, can uh, be figured out or, or whatever. And I think the concern with the Mavericks is, okay, you needed a cultural reset. You've got it. But as a, as a basketball team, are you, did you move in the right direction? And, you know, we'll see the season is young and, you know, they need Luca to be, himself before we can really evaluate that but uh it's a it's a big tbd right now there's definitely work to be done but if you haven't read the story go read it it's a great story all right so speaking of the clippers last night their four game win streak was snapped by the jazz game was in utah right yes sir Mm -hmm. uh jazz eighth consecutive when they won nine of ten overall they're 20 and seven 
which would make which would make them the number one team in the East if they were over there, but only good enough for third behind the Juggernauts uh, West. Um, Donovan Mitchell is having a very good year. Um, you know, they had a bitter end, uh, a bitter uh, flame out in the playoffs last year when they couldn't beat the Kawhi Leonardless Clippers. Mm-hmm. So anytime they um, play the Clippers, it's a it's important game for them, regardless of who's healthy. And so they're going along well. I mean, they have to be feeling like they've they're in the game. You know, they're in. They've got that chance at the title. And then yesterday, Danny Ainge gets announced as the CEO of the organization, and it's obviously unusual to name a new basketball operations leader midway through the year. It's super duper unusual for this to happen. Um, for a team that's so successful, Mm -hmm. obviously Dennis Lindsay, you know, he stepped down, but he was under pressure for a number of different reasons, but Dennis Lindsay, who was with that team for a decade, built that roster. Mm -hmm. Um, they talked to some people and I'm not looking to get aggregated here, but they definitely talked to some people in the league about coming in for this job, including people who were employed by other teams. Um, I don't know whether there were job offers. I've heard, I've heard times um, I've heard all kinds of different things, but they definitely considered other people. And Ainge was, was rumored to be an option to come to Utah from the moment he left the Celtics because right. he has a longstanding relationship with Ryan Smith, the owner, but to come in as CEO in this situation and even CEO is a strange title to my not bond temps. Do you know of any other basketball operations? A head who's got a CEO title? I do not. Yeah, and 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 what they'll tell you is, hey, he's not replacing Dennis Lindsay. It is a different title. It's a different job. Call it what but you want. But he is replacing he, Dennis Lindsay. Yeah, he's call, the head call, of call, basketball call, operations. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we that's a semantical thing. They had this press conference yesterday, and their owner Ryan Smith said, "This is an unprecedented role that hasn't existed." I was like. No, it's existed. It's the it's called the person who makes the basketball decisions. No, but he but Ainge is not the person who makes the basketball decisions. He's the person who probably makes the strongest recommendation to the new owner who is very involved and ultimately has the final say. Ryan Smith is, you know, as he put it, he's he's like most modern ownership. Uh, is, is the way he put it when I talked to him yesterday. And he's going to make the final call. Now, he's going to rely, obviously, extremely heavily on the advice of, of Danny Ainge and Quinn Snyder and Justin Zanuck. And, and Ainge will, I'm sure, have the loudest voice, but th- this is Ryan Smith's show. Yeah, I don't um, think there's any question about that. And, and, the, and the reason it's Ryan Smith's show is or the fact that it's Ryan Smith's show is the reason why Danny Ainge is in Utah, right? Going back even before last season ended, there was talk about this maybe happening in some form because yeah. Danny Ainge, probably, you know, maybe him and Steve Young are probably the two most famous BYU athletic alums ever. Yeah. And uh, he is Timber a... Jimmer Fredette. Okay. I'm going to say Steve Young <laughs> and Danny Ainge are a little higher level than Jim uh, 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 What about what about Uncle Jim McMahon, sir? Right. Yeah, Either way. Uh, but Danny Ainge, BYU legend, 
Uh, Ryan Smith, massive BYU donor. They have been I didn't fl- know close for both a- Ryan, both Ryan Smith and Danny Ainge are from Eugene, Oregon. I mean, I, yes. knew, that, I knew that Ainge was from Oregon. Yes. I didn't know Ryan. I mean, they have- they're, they're basically lifelong connection. Yeah, yes, and and they and they've been they've known each other for fifteen years. Yes. good friends. And then you yes. know Danny Ainge did his play golf, hang with the fam, decompresses. He put it for for six months. And Ryan Smith said, "Hey, I'm going to go caddy for a Tony Finau. I might be spotting up that golfer's Finau. name. Okay, that guy. I'm going to go golfer or caddy for my buddy at Tiger's tournament in the Bahamas. Why don't you come along? I got uh, something I want to talk to you about." Yep. And and pitched him on this role, and I'm sure they'd had they they say that's when things got. I'm sure there there had been some talks, but that's when things got hashed out, and and here they are, and it is a unique opportunity for 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 Ainge, as he put it, um, because you're talking about what can you do to get this team over the hump. You know the 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 thing with the Jazz is, hey, the Jazz tearing it up in the regular season, it kind of gets the ho hum reaction because. We've seen it. We saw it last year. We've seen them have long winning streaks the last few years. Last year, they had the yep. best record in the league. They haven't been able to get over that second-round hump. But, fellas, this these boys, no. Again, we got to see it in the playoffs to, to, to for them to prove it. But these the Jazz are a regular season juggernaut. Do you, so, realize, do you realize that the Jazz, in a year where scoring is down significantly across the league, the Jazz – are the most efficient offense in NBA history to this point. They are more efficient than the Nets were last season. All right. We'll talk, we'll talk about, we'll talk about the team in a second. What about Dwayne Wade? I thought. Oh, Dwayne he's got Wade, a loud voice too. Wow. This room is getting awfully loud. Now we've got, <laughs> we got Justin Zanuck over here and Ainge openly admits he doesn't even know Justin Zanuck. And when he, when he talked to the jazz about deals, he talked to Dennis Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Zanuck's by the, one of the great Bontemps. You know Zanuck a little bit. He's like he's like one of the best guys in the NBA. Yeah, he used yeah. to be an agent, but he doesn't for come Andy off. Miller. He doesn't come off as a guy who used to be an agent. Do you? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like he's really, um, you know, like Rob Palinka, Bob Myers, like those guys came out of agent and central casting. Yeah, they're, they're, they they they've got that slick type of uh yes very vibe polish yes yes they both look like um they would you know be wearing armani suits and shoes with no socks on the beach yeah justin zanuck definitely did not play with the fab five or at ucla (laughs) no he's not posting anybody up no Um, but that that relationship is going to be i think a very good one because look i went back and double checked this yesterday after this happened when Danny Ainge left the Celtics this summer, it, it was after the last season ended. There was a, the Celtics made a big to do about this being a retirement. They said he was retiring in the mm-hmm. press release. Everybody else involved said he was retiring. One person who said he wasn't retiring at any point during any of that was Danny Ange. The word well, reti- he was retiring I went, from the Celtics. That's right. <laughs> I went back and looked. I double checked and maybe I missed it somewhere, but I did a bunch of, you know, control F searches and I never found the word retire coming out of his mouth in any form. And so him coming back with the jazz is not a surprise to me and him coming back in a role of CEO is also not a surprise to me because at this point in his life and after him, you know, he had a heart issue a couple of years ago. Um, he's dropped a bunch of weight since then. He's in much better shape. Um, I'm not surprised that it's listed as a CEO title. That's more of a 
overseeing things title than it being in the weeds situation every day. Justin's a very highly regarded executive in the league. He can handle all the day-to-day stuff. He has been doing all the day-to-day stuff in Utah. So Danny can kind of come in and do the, you know, the stuff he wants to be involved in and um, be involved in some of the big picture decisions there. And, you know, again, you have the connection with, with Ryan that makes a lot of sense for this to happen. And ultimately, you know, if you're like McMahon said before, if you're Danny Ainge and you're looking to have a final act in your career, not only do you have all this history in Utah, but you're walking into this team that right now, even though they've had kind of an, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, they had a bit of an up and down start. They have the third best record in the league. They're rolling along. They have Rudy Gay on the court now, gives them a little bit of a small ball five option they've never had. Mike Conley Great looks signing. fantastic. Um, Donovan Mitchell is back to playing great. Rudy Gobert is dominating in the middle. I mean, they, you know, I, I think they probably still need to try to find some ways to be a little more versatile in the playoffs. They probably need to find one more guy who can guard on the perimeter between now and the end of the season. Um, but, you know, sort of in the same way we're just talking about the Dallas situation, Utah, you know, loses that series to the Clippers in part because the Clippers had some absolute ridiculous three-point shooting that probably isn't going to repeat. And that was sort of a lightning in a bottle situation and they caught it and they knocked Utah out of the playoffs. And, you know, it, the jazz and, formula, and, 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 and part of that was Terrence Mann turning into a, a Curry brother. Well, that's what I mean, right? Like Terrence yeah. Mann, who's not exactly, you know, Steph, Steph or Seth Curry turned into Seth Curry for three games and that was the end of their season. So it's easy to look at this team after the last few years to say, well, they haven't broken through yet. But like if you go back a couple of years. The Raptors were a team that hadn't broken yeah. through, hadn't broken through, hadn't broken through. And yes, they got Kawhi Leonard, but then things came together and they broke through the Milwaukee Bucks last year. Same thing. They had kind of run into a wall a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Things break right. They win. So if I'm Danny Ainge and I look around, not only are the, the, the personal connections there, but yeah, if you get a chance to walk into a team like this, it's pretty easy hey, to see why. No one's back. debating that it's not a great move for Ainge. And no one's debating that the guy who's the billionaire who owns the team wants to hire his friend can do that for sure. His friend has got a a really impressive resume, too. Like, let's not ignore that. I'm just saying this press conference, everybody was trying to make nice and they tried to explain how this was going to work. And it didn't make sense to me. You got Dwayne Wade, who wasn't there and hasn't said anything to my knowledge. You got Dwayne Wade. You got Quinn Snyder, who's one of the smartest and probably one of the more influential Mm -hmm. coaches. You got Justin Zanuck, who will put the team together. And by the way, like while Danny Ange is out there golfing, put you know retrofitted this roster a little bit um who's now been demoted you've you know you've got the well, probably the most important voice in this whole thing in donovan mitchell i was gonna because say donovan, donovan mitchell definitely has a voice i mean donovan i mean ryan smith correctly sniffed out that the biggest threat to this team is somebody coming and trying to get donovan mitchell away from the jazz regardless of the fact that he signed the extension he got an opt-out Mm-hmm. and they're on the clock. And um, one of the reasons why he brought Dwayne in as a part owner in a sweetheart deal was because he knew that he needed to have Dwayne Wade's influence in that connection. And so to me, there's just, look, guys, maybe in 18 months, we're talking about the Jazz going for their second title. Mm-hmm. It's just like, wow, there's a lot of, it's a lot of people in the kitchen here. A lot of people in the kitchen. Makes me wonder about how this is going to go. It really does. Yeah, there's a lot of people in the kitchen, and, and the meal that's on the table is already pretty good. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good way to put it, McFan. Uh, as for the team, um, yeah, I, I think you know 
you know, they were, were they a top? I know that they were, they didn't finish as the number one defensive team last year. The Lakers did, but they were for a while. Um, yeah, they're, 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 I don't have it in front of me, but they were up there. And, you know, I think they were top five in both categories last year, offense, defense, efficiency. Uh, they're one in offense, five in defense, I believe, right now. Um, and look, they're built, they're built to be uh, a spectacularly explosive offensive team that's going to rely on Rudy Gobert to, prop them up and make them a, a good defensive team. That, that's the way the Jazz are built. Did you see what Marcus Morris said last night? About... <laughs> did he take another shot at Rudy? No, it was, it was, it was, it was, he didn't. He said that basically they're not really good on defense except for Rudy. Yeah. Their defense is pretty basic. They just let him do all the work. Which is yeah. why, which, it, which by the way, which by the way, when people went after Gobert for the way that Clipper series went, that's the part that people ignore. Like yeah. the Jazz do aren't very good defensively, except for Rudy Gobert, which is why all those guys in that Clipper series were walking to the rim, collapsing the defense and kicking out for threes. That yeah, was what the, caused things to go crazy. Not Rudy Gobert's inability to guard the three point. line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he he can guard the three point line, just not when he has to come in and, pr- and protect right. the rim and then try to back out to the corner. That's right. Um, By the and, way, just because I looked it up, uh, Utah last year was fourth in defense and fourth in offense, third in defense, yeah. plus nine net rating, best in the league. This year, right. so, as McMahon said, first in the league in offense, 117.7. They are fifth in the league in defense. They have an 11.6 net rating, which mm. is tied for Golden State as of right now for the single best in the NBA. And, and you know, I, I will say a big part of their defensive problems in that playoff series is Mike Conley missed five of the six games and played the other one on one hamstring. And Donovan Mitchell yes. was still unbelievable offensively as a, a, yes. as a pure jump shooter. Um, you know, but they were both injured his ankle yeah, and they, so were, they, both were, they were a total defensive disaster in that series. Yeah. Um, you know, but, they are, but, definitely... you know, violins and stuff because the Clippers like, okay, we didn't have Kawhi for a lot of that series. Right, so, right. but well, that's look, all that's, uh, but that's to the, to your point earlier, right? And man, they, they've built this team around Rudy Gobert's ability. They like, if they went, look in the prior years, they played Houston. They lost in the playoffs because couldn't score enough. Like, it was right. a brick fest, and they they, right. they they were playing old school. Derek favors at power forward. Yep, and and they couldn't knock down. They got great shots and couldn't knock them down. They said, "Hey, screw this. Rudy's gonna will be a good defense team with Rudy Gobert. Period. That's right. Let's That's surround right. him with shooting and playmaking, and they've done that. And then last year they got in the playoffs, and their two guards both were hurt." And their perimeter defense already was an issue and it fell apart in that series. But that's that always the case because they built their team around Rudy's ability to make up for everything. So yeah. now that was why that was why the Rudy Gay signing, you know, and obviously it was a bit of a messed up thing because he comes in, he was hurt and he missed the first few weeks of the season. Um, but now that he's out on the court, his ability to give them a real small ball option at center. Um, that is something they have not had at any point in this run. And it could really be a difference making thing if he can settle into that role for them. Cause that, you know, they have not had any ability to play small. They've had to try right. to just manufacture the minutes when Rudy's on the bench. And if that or Rudy Gobert is on the bench and if that works, that that's a potential game changing thing for them going forward. Yeah. I, I'm just, the team is, the team is built really, really well. They're not perfect, but considering they're in Utah and they don't have free agency at their disposal, really. Um, they signed Bogdanovich in free agency, but they're right. not able to draw stars in free agency. The team is built really, really well. They, you know, Dennis Lindsay and Justin Zanuck did a really good job. Quinn Snyder has done a really good job. 
and Ryan Smith keeps replacing people and bringing people in. It's like, okay, sure. Sure. Um, it just, it's, I don't know. I mean, I'm not there, so, um, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be there for both so- Christmas and new year's. <laughs> the holidays <laughs> in Salt Lake city, baby. Salt Lake <laughs> new city year's Eve is going to be wild. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure your 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 days of uh, partying until uh, the the wee hours are over, McMahon. I know. I'm a full blown I'm a full blown adult these days. <laughs> um, well, I'm not sure that we're going to see the Jazz do uh, anything significant with all of this uh, front office talent scouring different trades they could make. Uh, maybe something small, but um, what's happened? Uh, we just had December 15th arrive, and as I talk to different league executives, um, some teams are starting to show their hands mm-hmm. in um, in uh, what they're looking for and willing to do in the trade market. It is definitely beginning. The chatter is picking up. I'm sure if you're into this sort of stuff, you've noticed an uptick in rumors, and absolutely, there's a lot of that going out there. And so, um, I think there's a few teams that pretty clearly are motivated to do something. And, you know, uh, we talked on this pod earlier this week about the Pacers. Um, Wednesday, their owner, Herb Simon, called a press conference. I think it was the first press conference he's had in four or five years uh, to refute the concept that they're going to um, tear their team down. He says he doesn't believe in tanking, which um, if you've watched him as an owner, you know. uh, but I think absolutely the Pacers are going to do something. They might trade one. They might trade two players. Uh, I would think uh, Karis Levert and Miles Turner, um, most likely in that order from what I understand. I know there's a lot of discussion about Sabonis out there, that there's a lot of people saying, claiming various things. Bontemps, I haven't heard Sabonis's name in the trade market. I have heard Turner and Levert, though. Yeah, I mean, look, the the Pacers are sort of in the same position they've been for several years now, where they have a pretty interesting mix of guys. They're sort of a a poor man's version of the Jazz, right? Small market team. They've done a good job of drafting and developing players, trading, you know, finding guys, you know, trade for Sabonis in the Paul George trade with Victor Oladipo. Um, They get Karis LeVert uh, as sort of a a throw and ancillary part of the James Harden trade last year. Um, You know, it's Victor Oladipo goes to Houston instead. Um, but their team that's not good enough to really be in the mix for a top four seed or anytime soon in the East, especially now that the East is much better than it's been. And, you know, the question for them is going to be what path do they try to take going forward from here? And, you know, as McMahon said earlier, his guy, Rick Carlisle is now in Indiana and he and Kevin Pritchard are there. And, you know, they have been around long enough to look at this team and see it's probably not good enough to be that level of team. But Herb Simon, throughout his entire tenure as owner of the team, has never wanted the Pacers to rebuild, as he said Mm -hmm. uh, in this interview this week. He's been adamant about he doesn't want to do a tank job. He doesn't want the team to be bad. He doesn't think anyone's going to show up to the games, even though they're already having trouble getting fans to go to the games in Indiana right now. So, you know, the the most telling stat about that team is they haven't had a, a pick inside the top 10 since George McLeod and I think 1989. Yes. You must listen to the podcast earlier this week. Yes. That's, as that. you said, that's right. Thank so you. it's it, it, the fact that they have not been in the top 10 in 30 years tells you that this is a team that does not believe in trying to bottom out. So if they are going to trade any of these guys, whether it's a bonus or miles Turner or Karis LeVert, you would think they're not going to want to do that for draft picks 
for future assets. They're going to want to do that for guys who can help them win now. Uh, All I'm going to say is all the more complicated to make that kind of a trade because you're then trying to swap them for other guys. And I'm just not sure what they're going to wind up doing because of that. I'm going to say is McMahon wrote a lot about Luca and Rick not going along, getting along. I think Karis and Luca probably could have some conversations right now. Uh, get, get in they, line. They, they, they could share. <laughs> I think they could share a a cold Slovenian beverage. Uh, My Luca needs uh, to I, lay off the cold beverages for a little bit while he's working his way into light, shape. Light. Um, yeah. So I I don't think that's been the greatest uh, partnership. But so but I, but listen, Rick, sixty-two year old Rick Carlisle did not sign up for a teardown and a rebuild. Okay, yes, Herb Simon. Herb that's Simon not a, did not, not give. Yeah, he did not give Rick a twenty-nine million dollar contract to to oversee a rebuild. But well, as Herb you guys Simon are saying, is eighty-seven years old. He's right. not. Don't sell him on a. You know, but forget about that. Just you have to think about when. So when you come up with your Miles Turner, mm-hmm. Karis Levert trades, don't have it be a two thousand twenty-seven protected right. first. Right. You know, make him an offer, but make him an offer that's going to help him. It's the thing that Herb Simon said clearly, we want to retool on the go. He said on the go. So, um, you know, when they traded, um, when they traded Paul George, they traded for two players who could help them immediately. Oladipo and Sabonis both turned into all-stars. So obviously Levert and Turner aren't that quality of player, but that's what they're looking for. Yeah. They're, so, they're three games out of the play in. Four games out of the uh, the six seed right now. They're they're thinking that and not, you know, how do we improve our lottery odds? That's for and sure. They'd, and they'd probably argue that they've had some bad luck. I want to say there's something like four and thirteen in games decided by or four and nine in games decided by five points or less. I mean, if you flip some of those games around, things look a lot different. But yeah, I mean, ultimately that's the thing. Like, however you want to try to construct, you know, if you get in the trade machine and try to look at trades, if you're a fan sitting at home, that's what the way you got to look at it. Is they're not. They're not trading for a pile of picks. They yeah, want guys who are going to be on the court today. And the same thing with Portland, right? Portland is a, is another team that, hey, if it's about retooling around Damian Lillard, your 2026 first rounder is, is not part of that conversation. Right. Now, Portland also is a team that obviously is struggling. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that the Blazers hit their ceiling with the, the CJ-Dame uh, combo. You know, and their ceiling was getting swept in the in the conference finals by the Warriors. No shame in that, but it's it's not. They've never been a legitimate championship contender, and and they're not going to be with the group that they have. And so, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of of uh, CJ, and there have been for years. But Neil Olshay now obviously is out of the mix, and uh, you know, CJ McCollum talked to Jason Quick of the Athletic, and and all but said, "Hey, I'm bracing to get traded." Well, I talked to an executive this week who told me every single Portland Trailblazer is available, with the exception of Damian. Mm-hmm. Um, now, most teams, when you get when you get right down to brass tacks, every player would be available except for their franchise player. So it's not like that's a stunning statement. But um, considering the Blazers just made an executive change, it's hard to know what's going to happen. And the message that has come out after the executive change is, we are willing to listen on anybody. So. The, the the Blazers could go a lot of different directions, um, particularly with a couple of guys who are free agents to be, uh, Yusef Nurkic and Anthony Simons. 
Uh, I'm not saying that either of those guys are going to bring back a player that's going to transform the way Dame feels about that team. But, um, you know, everybody talks about McCollum. There's more mm-hmm. interesting players there. And obviously they're in a free fall right now. I think they've lost nine to 10. I, did, did they play last night? I, I don't remember checking out their, uh, their performance last night. Yeah, they lost to the Grizzlies. So I think is that 10 of 11? Yeah. Um, another great game for Desmond Bain, by the way. He's the real quick, Man, not yeah. Desmond Bain, who's having a spectacular season. <laughs> they just keep winning without job. But um, they've lost seven in a row. They're eleven and eighteen now. Um, I mean, it's yeah, they, one and they eleven need, on the road. The Blazers, one yeah, and eleven. Is that they, good? they need a. <laughs> it's not not great. They need a pretty significant retooling, and you know we're looking right above them in the Western Conference standings. <laughs> And boy, oh boy, would a play-in spot mean a lot to the poor, sad sack Sacramento Kings after all so these years. This is but, nice. And the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, Minnesota sort of. Timberwolves, Sacramento Kings in ninth and 10th in the West. This is right another now. thing that the executives are talking about. The Kings and Timberwolves. So first off, there's been a number of rumors that have gone around the league in the last few weeks about Ben Simmons trades involving the Maury quadrangular mm-hmm. the Maury quadrangular would be the philadelphia 76ers daryl Maury, general manager president whatever his title is yep minnesota timberwolves who are run now by sasha gupta who worked for daryl Maury. the kings who are run by monty mcnair who worked for daryl Maury, and the rockets who are run by Raphael stone while there's some scar tissue there worked for daryl Maury. And I am not going to tell you some of these uh, preposterous scenarios that have been floated to me, but let's just say there's been a lot of discussion because as you look at it, the Timberwolves really would like to get Ben Simmons. That is not a secret. That is not new. And I'm sure that there's been lots of stuff thrown back and forth. The Kings are really struggling and really want to be competitive. They've already fired Luke Walton and they have surplus perimeter players. Yes. It's not news that Buddy Heald, I saw that like this week, it was like perceived as, oh my God, it's breaking news. Buddy Heald is available. I was like, oh, I didn't know. Since I the Buddy second Heald the ink was, was dry on that deal. <laughs> right. I thought Buddy Heald was boarding a flight to Los Angeles last summer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, Buddy Heald's available. Um, uh, but they might even be willing to discuss other guys on their roster who, you know, Marvin Bagley's wanted out of there forever. But, oh, yeah. Uh, guys- De'Aaron Fox. Listen, I don't think, like, there was widely reported uh, going into the season, oh, De'Aaron Fox is off the table. Sir, um, I've heard a lot of smoke that that might not be the case at this point. Well, De'Aaron Fox came to, um, came to camp about 15 pounds heavier than he left in. And he hasn't had the greatest year. So, and they've, I don't, they've drafted guards in the lottery the last two years, both of whom have shown his promise. Now, let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 
You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. The, the word that I got this week that almost nobody on that roster is untouchable and they have made offers that have reflected as such. Um, so uh, I, whether or not they can get something done, um, uh, it remains to be seen, but I think they're in the mix and they're in the mix for Ben Simmons. And that's actually a weird situation because I think they'd love to be able to figure out a way to get Ben Simmons, Minnesota, would love to figure out a way to get Ben Simmons earlier this week. And I know Carl Towns has kind of ebbed and flowed, but Towns mm-hmm. had kind of a, a low moment after a game four or five days ago where he just said, I'm tired of losing. I, I don't have the exact quote in front of me. Something like the, the food tastes bad. You know, the air smells bad. Like he was just, he was just down. He was just down. And so um, but, you know, and then, of course, you've got the Rockets who are trying to trade John Wall. Not that that would be oh, yeah. not that that makes sense, but they have they're in the market for that. Eric Gordon is playing better. He's and, playing very well, actually. Yeah. And so I've had executives tell me that when Ben Simmons gets traded, one of the it will include one or, or more of the quadrangular not that that's where best is like Ben Simmons would go, but that they would be in, probably involved in a trade because mm-hmm. Ben Simmons trade is likely to end up being, uh, you know, a multi, uh, you know, team deal. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and the Rockets obviously have, have been much better lately. They've won, I think it's eight of 11, but they get, Hey, this is very early in a rebuild. So they are trying to wedge their way in and they'll try to wedge their way in and, and, and get ammo for a rebuild for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, Bon Temps, is there any team that we didn't talk about there that you think is definitely going to do something? Um, it's an interesting question. I mean, what about I think, you, Boston Celtics? Well, I mean, I get a lot of questions about what Celtics are going to do over the next couple of months from people around the league. And I, I think it's hard to know exactly what direction they're going to go in. I mean, um, you know, we just spent t- a bunch of time talking about Danny Ainge. He'd been here for 18 years. Now Brad Stevens is now in charge in the front office. And, uh, you know, Brad did immediately go out and trade Kemba Walker a couple weeks after he took the job. He went and got Josh Richardson in trade shortly thereafter. Um, so he has, he did show an early willingness to make some moves. Um, you know, I think it, you know, they've, they've kind of been this, this month of December was always going to be tough for them. They currently sit in 10th in the East. Uh, but they are only a couple of games or they're one game out of sixth and a couple games out of fifth. So, um, you know, things could look a lot different in a couple of weeks, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen with them. Exactly. I expect Phoenix to probably at some point try to make a move for another, uh, piece. They've been rumored to be in the mix for a bunch of different things. Over they, the past could couple use of another, months. they could use another combo forward. 
Yeah, they have not. Re- they've never replaced Dario Saric um, after he tore his ACL in the finals last year. So if they could, they're another team that if they could find a way to play small a little more effectively, that they, would be they've good. Been a, they've been attached to Thad Young on and off, uh, really since Thad Young got traded to San Antonio. But they haven't done the deal, and maybe it's just because they don't like the deal. Yeah, you know. But yeah, I mean, I think there's. I mean, the thing about it is, you look across the East, and there's a lot of teams in the East that you could make an argument will be looking to try to make a move. Right. The Knicks yeah, have a bunch of will. Yeah. The, the, there's some teams looking to make. I just don't know how many are actually going. I don't to know make. how many are going to actually happen either. But but the, when you have so many teams that are in the mix, it's you know, there, there could be a lot more moves than normal. Or there could be a lot less because yeah. teams might be afraid to do something. But but the way the East is jumbled up and you've got actually the team that we haven't talked about that I think will make a move at some point is the Cavs. The way the Cavs are playing, um, I would just expect them to be pretty aggressive in trying to upgrade their team to make sure they make the playoffs and, and, um, you know, continue this momentum they've got behind Evan Mobley in the way they've played the season. That would probably be the one team. If I looked in the East and said, I want to pick, I'm going to pick one team that's definitely going to make a move. I have to think Cleveland will do something with the way they're playing to try to upgrade their roster. Well, I I think the Knicks actually are a team that may want to do something because, um, the first off they're not playing Kemba Walker and Kemba may have some value out there. Um, I think the Knicks might be in that boat too. And when you, you, you know, you mentioned cat as something, okay, you got your antennas up there as, you know, it, whether it's pre deadline or at some point, okay. Could that be a, a, I'm not going to call him a superstar. Could that be a star on the move? I don't I, sense that. I think he's just, he's just frustrated and he's verbalizing it. I, you know, we'll I'm see just, where it goes just, in the and, Antennas up. I think we need to have our Bradley Beal antennas up. You know, the wizards got off to a great start. They've lost seven of nine. You know, he gave the interview to our uh, our old buddy Chris Haynes, where he's basically like, mm, essentially, I don't have the quote in front of me, but it was basically, well, let's 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 wait and see before we discuss my future in uh, in Washington. I, I think I you agree. need your antennas up on that uh, one for sure. I think uh, so. Washington, um, I think they started out. I had the number here: ten and um, four, and they're fifteen and fourteen. Yeah, and their defense has collapsed. Uh, Stat Muse. Let me uh, track that down. I'll get it for you in a second. Uh, Stat News, which is a good follow on uh, Twitter, described it. Um, I will find it. They started out. Uh, they started out ten and three, and they were fifth in defense. They are five and eleven since twenty eighth in defense. And um, I would say that's you know, not trending in the in, in the best direction. Right. The front office. Got an extension. Tommy Shepard uh, uh, got an extension, um, and uh, Beal has basically made it clear he's not going to extend in the mm-hmm. sh- um, he's not going to extend in the short term. So um, we'll see as we get closer to February what happens there. As for the Cavs, um, Bontemps, I don't think they've like their big decision would be Rubio. Do you trade Rubio? Do you extend Rubio? Because he's this is the last mm-hmm. year of his contract. Do you want to, you know, make sure he doesn't go anywhere? Or do you play him out to the end of the season and just take everything he can, realizing that he very well might want to go somewhere else next year, even with the year that he's had now? I think Rubio is a big decision, uh, re- regardless. And then you've got the Colin Sexton decision. Sexton right. would have value, even though he's out for the year, because you trade him and you've got his rights, his restricted rights. And, um, you know, considering, you know, you may be able to get him at a, at a salary number because the market probably won't be as hot on him because of the injury. 
Um, there is value there. I would not there, trade Sexton. I would hold on to him. But well, I was going to say there, there could also be value with him this summer as a sign and trade. So it's not necessarily you know trade him by the deadline or right. you know you either lose him or but keep. Bon Temps is saying they're trying to you know the Cavs are up in the fourth place now. <laughs> Dude, the, you know, the, the Cavs yeah, are. I, I was less picking out any specific guy that they were going to move though. Colin Sexton is the one that you know clearly if they're going to make a significant upgrade, you would think he'd be the the piece you dangle out there if somebody has interest. But yeah, I just they're eighteen and twelve. They've won eight of their last ten. They've won five in a row. Evan Mobley. You know, Scotty Barnes is making it a competitive race because he's been also pretty incredible this season. But Evan Mobley has been phenomenal mm-hmm. as a rookie. He and Jared Allen have been unstoppable in the pain, as we've talked about in the past defensively. And, you know, the Cavs are ahead of the Heat, ahead of the Celtics, ahead of the Sixers in the East standings. They've got one of the best defenses in the league. It's been a remarkable story. And, you know, for a team that's been out of the playoffs since LeBron left, I would think they're going to be active in trying to bolster that roster and make sure they get in because it'd be a pretty great story if they're able to do it. There's the, some people uh, who have uh, connected them to Levert. Um, hmm. I have not heard that. F- I have not heard actionable uh, talk on that, but that rumor is out there. And the only reason that something like that would make sense is where the Cavs need help is on the wing. They are they are thin on the wing and yeah. uh, could use some talent upgrade there. And They have a wing on the that. roster. <laughs> they don't have wings. They have a yeah. wing. I mean, they, they really, by the way, has played well really, lately. They they really could use a wing player. I, that and that's the thing. If they if they do go into the trade market, that's where you got to think they're going to add somebody. I mean, they've got a couple different point cards that are you know they've got Rubio and Garland. They've got bigs that are good. You know, they're playing Lowry Markkinen though at small forward. Like ultimately, if they could find some wing help, that could really be a significant thing for them. By the way, uh, basketballreference.com has their playoff probabilities report, which is a bunch of nerdy numbers and you know computer simulations, blah blah blah. They have three teams that they give better than 10% odds of winning the finals. The Warriors at 36 and change, the Jazz a little bit under 33, and your Cleveland Cavaliers at 10.4% chance of winning the finals. <laughs> Eat your heart out, LeBron James. <laughs> I yeah, tell you what, though, man, uh, Clutch has a player in Cleveland, Darius Garland. If, yeah. if we're going to have the PMIP conversation, premature most improved player conversation, you better get Darius Garland's name in there. He yeah, is well, Desmond a stud. Bain, Desmond Bain as well, who we're just talking about. Although that's really just an opportunity. He's had a great opportunity. And and talk. Well, you want to get most improved? How about most improved in the last two months? Jaron Jackson, who was dreadful the first month after he signed that $100 million extension. And for the last month has been awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, talk about the split. We talk about the splits on the Warriors or on the Wizards. How about the splits on Jaron Jackson the first two months of the season? But that's uh, another story for another day. All right. Thanks for listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you, McMahon and Bontemps. Uh, we'll uh, speak to you guys next week. Adios, amigos. Adios.